Hello, and welcome to Solving for the Undefined podcast. I'm your host, Johanna, founder of Miss Kuiper's Classroom, the place that equips teachers and parents in helping students struggling with on-grade level math. But it's not always about the numbers, and that's why I'm here, bringing you the formulas to solve your problems, math and otherwise, and helping students gain confidence in academic abilities. And that's what you can count on. Hello, hello, happy Monday. I hope you're having a fantastic start to your week. Today is actually National Napping Day. I think it's appropriate that it comes after daylight savings time because I need the extra sleep. What about you? Another important occurrence is one year ago tomorrow was when our school district shut down and went virtual. It's hard to believe that it's been a full year, over a full year, since we've been in the classroom. That's crazy to me. And I know other schools have different timelines on when they went virtual versus when they stayed in person, but that just like blows my mind. I remember last year when they announced to us that we weren't going to be going back. At that time, they said it would only be two weeks. They were extending spring break out another week to allow for, you know, that 14 days of making sure no one was showing symptoms. But two weeks turned into the rest of the semester and into the next school year. I remember one of the first staff meetings we had about transitioning into online learning and how we were going to cope with the differences and the changes and all the different resources we had available to us. And at the time, we didn't know as much as we know now about how to teach online. I think we've perfected it or at least done a lot better since that time back in April when we first started. But as one of the younger people at our school, I think I was maybe the second youngest in the entire staff. I actually think I still am the second youngest. Anyway, with that in mind, a lot of people came to me asking for tech advice, which I'm totally happy to give. It was really nice to have people come to me and ask for my expertise because as the newbie in the field, people usually don't come to me for advice. So I was able to talk to them about Google Classroom, setting up Google Hangouts, scheduling things, Google Slides, quizzes, Desmos, because those were my areas of expertise because I use them in the classroom on a weekly basis. Today I wanted to share with you some of the things that I have learned over the course of the year that will help me in my math virtual classroom. But I have a feeling I'm going to continue to use these things even when we go back because of how much my students enjoyed using them. And I know some of these ones that I'm going to share are things that you may be using in your classroom already and that's okay. I'm going to share the ones that I find are the most exciting and significant for my classroom. And if you have others, please share with me. I want to know more about how I can work with my students virtually in the classroom. So the first one is kind of a lump of different activities. Google Apps. Now the Google Apps that I use in my classroom, I use Google Slides, Google Forms, Google Jamboard, and Google Sheets. Google Slides is one that I used in the classroom before going virtual, but has remained one of the most frequently used items in my classroom. 
Now I use Google Slides as my presentation for students. I have our starting slides telling students what materials they need, what our agenda is, our learning target, a timer, and then a quote or joke of the day. Usually punny because that's where my humor lives. And then in my Google Slides, I have the material we're going to be talking about. So I always do our mic check, our warm-up, and then any activities that we do, I put my exit directions there. Now, exit directions are something I've talked about in a couple of previous episodes. So if you're unfamiliar with exit directions, go ahead and check out episode six to find out more details. When we first went virtual, I used Google Slides as the transportation for worksheets for my students. So what I do is I would create slides with questions, download it as a picture, and then upload it to a new Google Slides as the background. And then I would ask my students to do problems or graph something, take a picture of it, and then put it in the slides. But Since then, I have found a way better way to do that using Google Jamboard. Now, Google Jamboard is something I snoozed on since the beginning of virtual learning. I wasn't about it, didn't have any interest until I saw it in action from one of my other teachers. And then I was like, oh, I have to use this. Google Jamboard allows you to use sticky notes, you can draw, you can add text, You can add pictures, shapes. There is so much you can do with it. Plus, in their most recent update, you can now add a background to the Google Jamboard slides. So basically, it's now an upgraded version of Google Slides, perfect for student use. This is how I give my students assessments. I'll put the problems on there as the background of a slide, very similar to how I did Google Slides back in March of last year. And then students can draw out their answers or they can type out their answers depending on how they want to do it. Or, especially when we're talking about linear equations and students were graphing them and finding slope, y-intercept, I would have them use the Desmos calculator to graph it, take a screenshot, and then add it to Google Jamboard. And that's something we had to practice a few times in order to gain confidence in doing it during an assessment. But students did really well once we practiced it. And I have a whole blog post on how I use Jamboard in my classroom. So I will link that in the show notes so you can find out more about Google Jamboard. Another Google apps I use is Google Forms. And I don't just use it as a quiz or as asking students questions. I've recently figured out how to make it into like a scavenger hunt, an escape room, fun activities like those in Google Forms. It is probably the best thing I have learned so far, other than some things with Google Sheets that I'll talk about in a moment. I recently, in the past few months, signed up for Lindsay Bowden's Math Resource Academy, where I learned how to create an escape room or scavenger hunt using Google Forms. Probably one of my favorite things about Google Forms is the ability to have it self-grading for students, so that way they know if they get something right or not. And two, it saves all the answers for you. So if you have a question and students have to answer it, once they submit that answer, you can get a Google Sheets of the student's name and all of their answers, which is extremely helpful as a teacher who does not like to grade. Do any teachers actually like to grade? And the last Google app I use is Google Sheets. 
Now, I use Google Sheets for a couple of different things, but my favorite is mystery pictures. Pixlr is great, but I don't have the time or patience to make it. I'm happy to purchase it from someone else who's done the hard work for me, but mystery pictures is something I can easily do thanks to learning it from Lindsay Bowden in the Math Resource Academy. In these Google Sheets mystery pictures, you might have seen them pop up or on Teachers Pay Teachers. They're very big right now because of how awesome they are. The way teachers code these Google Sheets allows them to be self-checking, which gives students immediate feedback on whether they've answered a question right or wrong. This is the best. It is a great way to help students figure out on their own without having to ask you every single time, is this right? Is this right? Did I get this right? It saves you that headache because it is self-checking. The way it's self-checking is if a student gets the answer right, the cell will turn green as well as pop up a piece of the picture, the mystery picture. And if a student gets the answer wrong, it's going to pop up red. It won't give you a piece of the mystery puzzle. And every teacher who makes them codes them a little bit differently. But overall, that's pretty on average for what a Google Sheets mystery picture will offer you. Overall, Google Apps has a lot of good things to offer us teachers, especially because they have upgraded a lot of their pieces to help teach online. The next tool that I use in my virtual classroom is Whiteboard FI. Now, Whiteboard FI is very similar to Jamboard in the sense that it's a virtual whiteboard. The reason I like Whiteboard FI over Google Jamboard in some senses is because as a teacher, you can see all of your students' whiteboards at once. The way the free version works is the teacher will create a room and then the teacher will send out a link to their students, whether it's in chat and email, however you send links, and all of the students will pop into that Whiteboard FI. Pro tip, give one to two minutes of doodle time. The reason I do this is I put a timer for two minutes. The faster students get there, the more time they have to doodle. This gives them the incentive to get there as fast as they can to doodle to play around with the different features. So, pro tip. But after students enter the Whiteboard FI room, teachers can post on their whiteboard. They can do problems. They can add pictures. They can add text. So many different things. And then teachers can push their whiteboard out to student whiteboards, and it becomes the background of what students are working on. I love this feature because recently we've been doing solving equations. So I would put up a problem, I'd draw it out or type it out, and then I would push it to students. Then students could have the problem already written, and then they could work out the problem themselves. This is also really helpful if you start a problem and want students to finish it, like if you're scaffolding and you've done the first half of a problem and then left some blanks and you want students to finish it. This is a great way to do that. Another thing with Whiteboard FI is you don't have to share your Zoom screen because students have the capability to toggle the teacher whiteboard. At the top of a student's screen, they'll have a teal colored bar that says toggle teacher whiteboard. When they click this, it will drop down your whiteboard as a teacher so students can see in real time what you are writing. Some other cool features of Whiteboard FI is you can download your pages. So whatever you've drawn or written, you can save it as a picture. You can also do this for student whiteboards. 
So if you want to save an image of a student's whiteboard, you can download it as a picture. Whiteboard FI is a very user-friendly, student-friendly option for your virtual classroom. Another great option for your virtual classroom, I also use this in person, is Desmos. Desmos has a lot of pre-made activities that are fantastic for whatever concept you're learning. But you can also create your own or search in Google other Desmos activities you can use. And I'll chat about that in a moment. Some great things about Desmos is once you've created a code for your students to log into the activity, you can track student progress. It shows like a full screen of all the students who are in there and where they are in the activity and whether they've gotten the answer correct or incorrect if you have answers available for Desmos to track. You can also pace students where you want them to be. So if you want everyone to be on slide five, you can move every student to slide five. You can also pause the activity. This is super helpful, especially in the classroom in person, because if students are working on an activity and you want them to stop, give you their attention, you can actually physically pause it and every student who's in that room will get paused. That sounds like a middle school insult. Get paused, yo. I would totally use that. You can also anonymize all of the students' names. They all change to mathematicians' names, and the great thing is they're not all old, dead, white dudes. There's a lot of uh, variety and diversity within their mathematician names. They try really hard to make them present contemporary people who are female, who are of different nationalities and races, so students can connect with those people. It's always really fun when you do the anonymize to have students research who their person is. It's always fun to see what they come up with and what they learn. Some of my students' favorites pre-made Desmos activities are the marble slides and the polygraphs. Now the polygraphs are basically guess who with functions, but my students have requested to do this activity so many times, even after we're done talking about linear functions. One thing to mention with Desmos is if you search on teacher.desmos.com, you're only going to find the Desmos made activities. But a lot of people make their own and share them to the public so that way other teachers can find them. The way you can find these activities is if you go to Google and type in whatever concept you want and then add Desmos to that search. It'll pop up all of the different ones that teachers have made and then you just click on it and it'll take you to that page on Desmos and then you can either copy and make your own version of it or you can create a class code and share it with your students as is. You can also create your own Desmos activities. The Desmos creator is pretty intuitive on a surface level if you want to make a basic Desmos activity for your students. I typically use it for whatever the slides I've made for my class, like when we were in person. I'll just put them into a Desmos and then add like answer this question or I'll put a calculator or something so students can respond to it and then it's a perfect virtual lesson. You can definitely go more in depth and be fancy with it but it's also very intuitive if you just want to make a basic activity. Desmos is super user friendly and has a lot of great activities already made for you. Another one very similar to Desmos is Nearpod. Now, Nearpod is not something I am super familiar with. I've used it several times in my classroom, but always when one of my other teachers makes the Nearpod and then shares it with us. 
But some of my favorite things about Nearpod is it will share your student responses. So very similar to Whiteboard FI, you can see all of your students' responses in real time. Unlike Whiteboard FI, in order to share it anonymously with the class for others to see it, they have to submit the answer in order for you to share it. You can still see a student's work before they submit it, but in order to share it anonymously with the class to talk about it, either doing my favorite mistake or showing a specific method the student used, they have to have submitted the answer. Another great thing about Nearpod is it keeps students on track. As you go through the slides of Nearpod, it will move the students along with it. So if you're doing problem number four on slide four and everyone's done, you're ready to move on and you move over to slide five, it automatically moves the students over to slide five. Also, if you have the premium version, I know our school purchased the premium version. There might be a free trial. I'm unsure. Feel free to look into that. If you have the premium version, you can actually create it in Google Slides and then put it into Nearpod. Whereas if you don't have the premium version, you have to create your slides in Nearpod. It's not a big deal necessarily, just if you already have slides created from a previous year, like I did, it makes it a lot easier to just transfer everything into Nearpod. One last thing to note about Nearpod is you have the ability to download a report of all the students' answers. And you can do this in a couple of different ways. One, you can download it as per question. So question one and then all of the students' answers. Or you can download it per student. So it'll download a zip file and then you can click each student and it'll show them individual answers. I use this when I have used Nearpod for a quiz. I can download the work per student and then grade it individually that way. Again, Nearpod is not something I use daily, but I have enjoyed it when I have used it. So thank you to my teaching partners who generously share their Nearpod activities with me. And the last one I'm going to talk about today is quizzes. Not like taking a quiz, but quizzes. Q-U-I-Z-I-Z-Z. -Z. It is a class favorite. And if your students love Kahoot, this is a way better version of Kahoot. If you haven't heard of quizzes before, what it is, is you can pick a quiz, either make one on your own or find one that's pre-made and create a code, share it with your students and students can log in and it's a self-paced quiz. It's more exciting than what I shared it to be. When there's a question, there's usually two to four answers a student can choose from. And if they get it wrong, it will show an X and move them on to the next question. It has fun, funky music. It has power-ups that students can receive. So if a student gets an answer right multiple times, they get like a power-up. And in between every question, there's a meme. And you can decide what set of memes you want it to choose from. But if you don't, it'll just do a random variety of funny, punny memes. But going back to the power-ups. The power-ups are taking away some of the answer choices to give students less options, giving them extra time on a question, or taking away time from all of the other people. And that especially is fun when you're working in teams. So quizzes has the option to have teams, and so they have funny names for the teams. If you do the teams version, when students log in, it'll randomly put them into however many teams that you have. I think you can do between two and six teams. I'm not sure. I usually do four teams just because that's how my class is evenly divided. 
And then when you start, those teams are working together to win the most points. And there's a leaderboard that you can share with your students or you can hide it depending on how you want your classroom to run. But this is where the power-ups get fun because as teams work together, they get power-ups. And then there's a freeze power-up that will freeze other teams' screens, giving them less time to answer on certain questions. It's really cool. The way I've been using this in a virtual classroom is I'll give students the link or the code, they'll go to quizzes, and then as they pop into different teams, I will make manual breakout rooms and then have those students enter that breakout room, work together on their answers. They all have separate screens and separate random order of questions, but they can all work together to hit that leaderboard goal. Another cool thing about quizzes is it will tell you the percentage of how students are doing. So overall, if the class is at 75%, it means that overall 75% of the questions have been answered right. So you can say, as a class, I want us to hit 80% or we're going to redo it. And then students can see on the board or on their computer screen how well they're doing as a class so they can incentivize each other to get better or help each other to work on a certain problem. You can also use quizzes as a self-paced activity. So you can create a link, students can do it within a certain time frame, and then it will give you a score. They can also take it multiple times to improve their score as well, and it'll show you their final score. It's a lot of fun. Students really enjoy the competitive aspect to it as well. So Quizzes is a great option both in person and in your virtual classroom. The tools that we talked about today to help you in your virtual classroom are Google Apps, Whiteboard FI, Desmos, Nearpod, and Quizzes. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. To find all the links and resources to things talked about in this episode, head on over to misskypersclassroom.com and click on podcast. And until next time, I'll leave you with this. Math is fun. It teaches you life and death information. Like when you're cold, you should go stand in a corner since it's 90 degrees there.